0: Turn with me in your Bibles, if you will, again, to the Gospel of John, chapter 17. We'll be there in just a moment. I want you to think about overheard prayers. Overheard prayers. Have you ever been in a situation when you were privileged to hear someone at prayer? Maybe they were earnestly uh, coming before the Lord, but some, some matter that was very heavy on their heart it might be they would even praying for you and you happen to overhear them in that process i want you to know something regardless of the topic of that prayer that was an incredible blessing for you that was a phenomenal opportunity for you to see into their heart the heart of god and to see into their heart their incredible heart for you as well in my opinion probably the most precious of all of the overheard prayers, we are going to be really beginning to read even today, and this is where John was privileged, the Apostle John was privileged to overhear a prayer of our Lord Jesus Christ, and under Holy Spirit's direction and anointing, he was able to record every word of that prayer, and we have it even for us here today to where we can enjoy it, and we can learn from it. And we can be touched by it. Now, some commentators say, well, this was a prayer he prayed in the upper room. Others think he was on the route to uh, uh, the Gethsemane. We don't know. But I want you to know this. This is the holy of holies. This is the holy grail of all prayers. We often refer to the Lord's prayer as being what Jesus taught the disciples. You know, the disciples said, teach us how to pray. And he gave them a model. But this was Jesus praying himself for himself and for others this is the lord's prayer and and no matter where it occurred this prayer makes something else very clear to me that jesus was not a victim under the circumstances he was a victor over these circumstances now to remind you of the setting in case maybe you're just uh, catching up with us or just watching online for the first time we've been studying uh, the upper room discourse. These are the things that Jesus said and did the night before he was betrayed. In the Gospel of John, it begins in 13, it goes all the way to the end of 17. And we're, we've now concluded all of the things that he has taught them, all of the illustrations that he's given them. And now he's at a position of allowing them to hear him at prayer, hear him agonizing. But I, but I want to take you way back to the 13th chapter for just a moment. And the very first verse, because I want you to underscore something. Jesus knew what was about to happen. Listen to these words in John 13, verse 1. We're going to be in 17 in just a moment, but let me read you this. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, he knew that that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world. He loved them to the end. I want you to let this sink in for a moment this morning. Jesus knew. He knew. He knew what was about to happen. He knew the arrest was imminent. He knew the beating was right there upon him. He knew about the He knew about the agony and the separation that he was going to experience. He knew. He also knew that by giving his life an atonement for the sin of mankind, by suffering the crucifixion and by rising again, he was going to secure eternal life for each and every one who would believe upon his name. But that didn't minimize the utter dread the utter horror of what he knew was before him. So as we come to this point in our reading today, we are are beginning to hear him draw together everything that he's been teaching there in the upper room and begin to voice his heart to the Father. Will you start reading with me John chapter 17 and verse 1? Read along with me, please. Jesus spoke these words. He lifted up his eyes towards heaven and he said, Father... The hour has come, just like he said in 13th chapter, first one, the hour has come. Look what he says, glorify your son that your son may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him, and this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work that you gave me to do. And now, O oh Father, glorify me before to, together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Pray with me. Holy Spirit. I just want to bless you again for how you miraculously, wondrously so worked in the Apostle John's life that he recorded every word that you spoke in this prayer. And not only did he record them, but Holy Spirit, you have watched over them over all of these years. Protected them and kept them absolutely the same. So right here today, we may read and hear the eternal, infallible word of God. The very prayer the Son of God uttered to God the Father. Speak to our heart, Lord Jesus, as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as we read through this 17th chapter, I'm not going to read through it all today, but as we read through that, you're going to naturally see a progression, a progression of thought, okay? Jesus begins praying for himself, and, and he's thanking God, I, I've been able to accomplish all of the works you gave me, I've been able to share all of the words you have given me, and now I'm returning to you. Then he turns his prayer to these disciples, to these who are gathered around him that are listening to him, And he prays for them that they will be sanctified, that they'll be kept from the evil one. We'll look at all that as we go. And then as he comes towards the end of this prayer, he begins to pray for you and I. He makes it abundantly clear. He's focusing way into the future of those who are going to believe on him because of the testimony of these men. Now, these three sections actually reveal to us four wonderful privileges that are mine and yours because of who Jesus is and what he's done and because he went to the Father as he promised. So I want to unpack those for us today. We're going to deal with the, the first of those privileges this morning and each one as our weeks go on. The first privilege is this. You and I get to share the life of God. You and I get to share in the eternal life of of God himself that's mind-blowing all by itself listen to what he says there in verse 3 and this is eternal life that they may know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent Now, John will pick up on this theme many times in his writings but jump with me if you will I'll read it for you but this comes from from 1st uh, John chapter 5 and verse 11, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Wow. And verse 20, and we know the Son of God has come and has given us understanding that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true. And then he says this, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Jesus Christ is the true God and is eternal life. Now, let me ask you a question. If you knew that you were going to die tomorrow, what would you be praying for right now? If you knew you were facing death tomorrow, what would the essence of your prayer be now? Maybe you would be praying, God, if it's got to happen, make it come fast. Lord, if it's got to happen, then, then please don't let it hurt too bad. What, what, would you, what would you be praying if you knew that in a matter of hours, your life was going to be forfeit? Jesus didn't pray for a sedative. He, he didn't pray to be taken out of this whatsoever. What he prayed for, what he began to pray for, was right where he started in that model prayer that he gave us in Matthew and in Luke. He started with the glory of God. In the model prayer, he said, hallowed be thy name. That means, God, may your your name, may your person, may your character be magnified, be demonstrated in our lives. Very similar to what he says right here. Now, we put together all that we've learned from John 13, 14, 15, and 16, and bringing it to this point right here. We learn that we have really, and once we're saved, we have joined into, we've become part of the very life of God. Part of the very life of God. We're united in Him. And and now He's asked the Father to make us one even as He and the Father of one. His life flows through the yielded life of His children. That's what we're learning. His life is our life. His life is flowing in us and through us. So here, here are three things I want you to pick out from this very first wonderful truth. The first one is this, put it in your notes. We join with Jesus as we share His glory and as we glorify the Father. That's verse 1. We, we share in His glory as, as we have His glory in us and as we in turn glorify the Father. Uh, here we see three things very quickly. We see glory gone, glory given, and glory returned. You see, when Jesus left his eternal state of glory, when he left heaven, he, he had to leave behind some of that magnificent glory. You just can't put everything God is into the narrow confines of flesh and blood. All that could be put in, he put in, but he, he couldn't put everything in. So he left some of his glory behind. That's glory gone. But then on planet Earth, by doing everything that God gave him to do and by saying everything that God gave him to say, he gave glory, that's glory given, he gave glory unto God. And now as he's going back to heaven, all of that glory that was his before is going to be reinstated. That's glory returned. Now, what is this I'm talking about? What is is glory? Glory is the manifest presence of holy God. The manifest presence of holy God. We've got some visible, very visible uh, scenes of that in in the Old Testament. Uh, God let his presence be known, remember by the, the, the pillar of a cloud by day and fire by night. Remember when when he wanted to demonstrate that his presence, his glory had come into the temple or the tabernacle, the great glory cloud, the Shekinah glory would come and settle down upon it. And even in the New Testament on that uh, that mount of of transfiguration where Jesus had opportunity to meet with Moses and Elijah, remember, it was that that glory cloud that came down yet again. It's the manifest holy presence of God. That's that's what glory is. And what Jesus is saying is this, Father, I have manifested, I have revealed, I have made visible your presence, your holiness. I have fulfilled that. You see, revealing the Father's presence, revealing the Father's glory was an essence of why Jesus came. uh, when jesus christ came he didn't just reveal god in physical presence he revealed his very character the essence of who god is and was and always will be so if you say we want to see god's glory well if you want to see his goodness you want to see his mercy you you want to see his compassion just look at his son look at jesus yeah jesus made this abundantly clear he said, I and the Father are one. We're one. Philip said one day, show us the Father and it'll suffice us. We'll be satisfied. Show us, show us the Father. And Philip said, uh, uh, Jesus said to Philip, have I been with you so long? And you still don't know me? Philip, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. Why? Because he had manifested, he had revealed the glory, the the, the wonder of who God is. Now listen, you want to see the glory of God? Look in the faces of believers who were walking in concert with Jesus. You you want to see mercy? It's revealed when his children reflect his mercy. You want to see glory? Glory. All right, look into the face of a believer who is bestowing grace when it's not at all deserved. You want to see God's glory? Look in the life of a believer when they're offering forgiveness to someone who has not asked for it and doesn't care. And that's where believers reflect His glory. Because God is living in them, and guess what? Then he's living through them. Because it's not their mercy that is seen, it's God's mercy. It's not their grace that's seen, it's God's grace. It's not their forgiveness that's seen, it's God's forgiveness. You want to see the glory of God? Just abide in him and let him live his wonderful life through you. If you ever wanted to... To see something that you knew was had to be just bigger than anything you'd ever imagined. Kind of take you back when I was a little boy. I know that was 150 years ago, but let me take you back when I was a little boy. And uh, I, I was a landlubber, landlocked. I had never seen the ocean. I'd seen uh, pictures of it on TV, I'd seen other uh, other pictures of it from here to there. But my father was transferred to Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. And for those of you who don't know, that's sitting right there close on the ocean. And I was so excited we were going to get to go to the ocean well one day sure as the world we packed up on one Saturday off we were going to the ocean I would get to see the Atlantic Ocean in person I couldn't I couldn't wait and as we as we crested this little bit of a rise I looked out there and there was water as far as I could see in all these directions Wow I had experienced the ocean well, not exactly. Got out of the car. I was so excited. Got attacked by seagulls. You know. Man, I tell you, they'll dive you for just about anything, won't they? But then I I, I ran out and I waded into those waves. Now I knew the ocean. Then I waded out a little further and I got rolled over by one of those waves. <laughs> Came up sputtering now now i i know the ocean i didn't know the ocean i just tucked my foot in it i just barely barely experienced it we went deep sea fishing got out in the boat so far i couldn't i couldn't see land no matter where i turned and looked and we pulled some big old whopper grouper and red snapper out now i had experienced the ocean no Later, I'd go snorkeling over some of the most beautiful reefs, seeing you know, the colors that absolutely amazing. Now I know the ocean. You get the idea, don't you? No. No, the best we can do is just, just put our big toe in the experience of the vastness of the ocean. And when it comes to God's glory, to God's presence, to His manifest holiness, we can experience that. But, but we can never experience the totality of that. That's the phenomenal truth of who God is. And, and because we can't get it all, God became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld what? His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace, and truth it's as if God the Father was saying there's no way you're going to grasp the totality of who I am and all of my glory so I am going to wrap up as much as I can put in one person in Jesus Christ and you'll get to experience as much as you can and then since his death and resurrection we get to experience so much more Jesus began his prayer God, let, let that glory be in me so that I can reflect that glory back to you. That's, that should be our prayer the morning. God, God, I ask you to just pour as much of your glory as, as possible into me. Live your supernatural life in and through me to where I can reflect for this watching and waiting world as best as I can and in my own very frail ways who you are and what it is you're about. We we join with Jesus when we share his glory in bringing glory to God. The second thing is this. We join with Jesus as we share his eternal life, as we share in it. When you and I come humbly before the Lord Jesus Christ and we say, God, I, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I am a lost, filthy sinner. And I am in need of your eternal salvation when we lay our lives down and He gives us His life, there's an amazing thing that happens. You know, God does not want to reform you. He wants to transform you. He doesn't want to change your life. He wants you to exchange your life. He doesn't want you to be renewed. He wants you to be reborn. He, he wants to plunge you into the mighty river of His life. I, God gave me this, this, this image, and I just can't get it out of my mind, of a, of a roaring, mighty river. I've, I've been over in the Mississippi River a time or two when it's been cresting at flood stage. And it's just, it's just there's, there's just like no stopping the power behind that river. And it goes where it wants to go. And it does what it wants to do. And Sometimes it's wide and deep, and there's deep, harsh currents moving in there, but it's going where it wants to go. Other times it's cascading over uh, various rocks and rills, and it it looks more like like a a babbling brook. But folks, imagine you're a drop of water falling out of heaven. You're a raindrop falling out of heaven. And you land in the mighty Mississippi. And whoosh, you're caught up in the the rush of that mighty river. You're, You're part of it. You're going where it's going and you're accomplishing what it wants to accomplish. You're a part of this mighty force that's going on around you. You're identified with it. You're not the totality of it, but you're, you're there in the midst of it. That's what happens when we enter into the life of God. We become a part of everything He is and everything He's doing and the mighty rush and power of who He is. What is this eternal life? Jesus says, here it is. This is eternal life. This is knowing this is knowing the Father and the Son. And, and this doesn't mean just to know about. doesn't mean just to know about. It's to know experientially, to know intimately. It's to have the, the kind of knowledge that permeates everything about that person and they permeate all of that knowledge of you. It's absolute and utter transparency. You know, I can tell you that I, I know my wife, and I, I know my sons, and I know my friends and such. But, you know, there's, there's a different level of knowledge to each and every one of those. in there. And the word he uses right here is to, to know experientially, but also to know intimately. It's the word that we also have in, in Hebrew, but have in the Old Testament where it says, And Adam knew his wife, and they bore a son out of that deep and intimate knowledge life was created that's the word that's the word right here that we would know intimately vitally in a life-giving way that relationship with God and that only happens through Jesus only happens through Jesus Jesus said unapologetically, and I hope you never apologize for it. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. But by me. In Acts 4 it says, nor is there salvation in any other, but there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. What does it mean to come to know God? Well, first you need to get introduced to him. And the person who introduces him is his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus came to reveal God the Father to all of us. And so we get to know God the Father through the Son. And when, when we come to God the Son, we say, Jesus, I dare to believe that when you died on the cross, it was to take my sins upon yourself. And when you rose again, it was so that I might have your life come into my heart I, I confess my sins to you come into my life and cleanse me and forgive me I want you to be my life I want you to be my source of life I want to be plunged into the mighty river of who you are I want you to know God never refuses that prayer, and he's not gonna refuse it this morning for those of you who want to pray it as well eternal life is a gift it's a gift To each and every one of us so we join with jesus as we share his glory and glorify the father we join with jesus as we share his life and finally we join with jesus as we share praise to the father the right response to understanding who he is the right response of getting our toe wet into the wonder and glory and the magnificence of who you are is to give you worship and that's what these last two verses are. He says, I've glorified you on earth. I've finished the work you've given me to do. And now I want you to glorify yourself again and to give me the, like, the glory that I had with you before the world began. Jesus says, look, I've, I've done everything you've called me to do. I've performed all the miracles, said all the words. I've touched all the people that you gave me. Not a one of them that you've given me has slipped away. Every one of them is mine. And I give them to you. And he knew. He knew. He knew the end was near. He knew the time had come. He knew. And so he said, Lord, here I am. I'm I'm yours. You and I get to live in union with the almighty God. Through his son Jesus Christ. I want you to walk away with that image that God gave me. Of being that one raindrop in the mighty river of his life. The scripture says we are saved by his life. We are, are one in him with his life. And it is his life that flows in us and through us that transforms us to be like Him. Have you ever come to that point in your life? Have you ever come to that point that you say, I need God in my life? I've done things my own way all my life long, and now now I'm hearing the results of that as I'm separated from God. And I desperately need God in my life. God, right now, I dare to believe that you died you died to take my sins upon yourself and when you rose again it was so that I might have your life I confess my sins to you now I ask you to forgive me to come into my heart and cleanse me to be the boss and the king and the ruler of my life I just want to give my life to you have you ever done that? Is Holy Spirit tugging at your heart and saying, this is that day. This is the time. Will you pray with me right now? Father God, in this very moment, in this very room, and in every room where this video is being watched, your holy presence is abiding. And your invitation is being given. I don't deserve your love, God. I don't deserve the death of Jesus. But out of your grace and mercy, you have chosen. You have chosen to offer a means. I might experience your wonder and glory, that I might dip my toe into my experience with God, and then plunge into the mighty river to be totally immersed in you. Father, come into my heart. Cleanse me and forgive me. I give you my life. Father, I know on the authority of your word that you never have and never will deny anyone who prays that prayer from the depths of their heart. And you're not going to deny them today. I pray, Lord, those that are watching at home or podcast or whatever, that have prayed along with me. Lord, will you encourage them to give us a call here at First Baptist to just share with us the decision they've made to ask you to come into their lives. The angels in heaven are rejoicing and we want to rejoice too. Encourage them to do that, Lord. Now for my brothers and sisters who are watching, Lord, we get to plunge into the life of God, to experience being surrounded and swept away by what you're doing in this world may we relish that may we glory in that and put all the praise and glory right back to you we pray this prayer in Jesus name